This morning's scripture, Romans the 12th chapter, verses 9 through 13. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality the word of God let us pray most gracious God Lord as we turn again this morning to this passage of scripture we pray Lord that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and minds illuminate it illuminate to us what can be extremely difficult for us to understand and father I pray this morning that the words I speak be not of me but be of you and bring you glory. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As Terry alluded to this morning, the wisdom that doctors have gotten from God and from His grace about the human body is amazing, but what's perhaps is more amazing than that is the human body and all of its intricacies and everything that goes along. It is extraordinary in every respect. Our minds are extraordinary creations. We can recognize a person out of a million. Feed that through a computer and you're going to see that it takes a very long time for a computer to be able to do that, but we can do it instantaneously. We recognize people that we've known before, that we've seen before, assuming they haven't grown older and changed to the point But we can recognize them in an instant. And God gave us that ability. He gave us the ability to create memories. Memories that we have from a very young age. Abilities to cherish those memories. He gave us the ability to do great things with respect to our minds and what our minds allow us and enable us to do. Our memories oftentimes shape our lives in a variety of different ways. It has the ability to allow us to be very good at things and not so good at others. And as many of you know, probably, maybe not, the World Series is going on right now. And if you see those players and their abilities, you, 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 you kind of watch in awe at what they're able to do. And you see a pitcher being able to throw the ball... 100 miles an hour with pinpoint accuracy and it is their brain that gives them that ability but they didn't come out of the womb with that ability it took time for them to develop that and there's a thing called muscle memory and for them to be able to repeat that pitch they had to do it once and then they had to repeat it And they have to learn through muscle memory exactly how much tension to put in their fingers, how much power to push off with their legs and in their torso, and everything that that makes up the ability to pitch a baseball. And it is through millions of times of repetition that they're able to do that on a consistent level. And the batters are no different. And that muscle memory is extremely important. As a matter of fact, it is the most important thing that they have. Because sometimes they lose that muscle memory. And if they lose that muscle memory, everything falls apart. 
everything falls apart. They can't throw a strike. The batters can't hit the ball. Everything is gone. So you'll see a lot of times that happening. Fatigue sets in. That muscle memory is not the same as it was when they were fresh. And they lose the ability to throw a strike. Batters lose the ability to hit the ball. And all that is made up and comes about after years of practice. Years of failure. The same can be said for our Christian lives. The same can be said for our Christian lives. When we are born again and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't know how to react to certain situations. We don't know what's going to happen to us or how we should display Christ. We don't know that. And as I've said so many times, I think that's a failure we we make whenever we lead, lead young people to Christ. They come to Christ, we wash our hands and say, it's done. No, that, that, that's when the work just begins. That, that's whenever they are a new creation and they should be formed in a manner that they know what to do when bad times come. Because they're coming. They have to develop a spiritual muscle memory. And that only comes about through time, through practice, and through learning. And it takes a great deal of living and experiences and studying of God's Word and being fervent in the Spirit for all that to take place. We have to be trained in how to act and what to expect. And the only way that we can get to where God wants us to be is to be fervent in the Spirit. And that's what God wants of, wants of us. And, and, and we, we live in an age and a time where entertainment is everywhere. As a matter of fact, it's even in churches. We go every place and we do everything to be entertained. We get bored very easily. In just a couple minutes, we're bored. And we move on to whatever the next entertaining thing may be. Didn't used to be that way, right? Most of our grandparents, or those of you that were old enough, know that you spent most of the day working, and then when you didn't work, you didn't have the TV to turn on at night, or you didn't have the internet to pull up whatever website, Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media there was. You worked. And they prepared and fixed things around the house, prepared meals. You learned about God and you lived your life. Life wasn't about being entertained. There wasn't any such thing as being bored. And I think if we go back to that generation and you go back to that time, you're going to see a lot of people that knew a whole lot about God's Word. You're going to see a lot of people that were extremely fervent in the Spirit. The other thing was, those folks experienced death, sometimes on a monthly basis. We don't deal with it that often here. You say, well, we do. No, we don't. When you go back to a day and time when basically... 40% of all children that were born didn't make it. When thousands of people would get wiped out at the next virus that came through, they saw death. And death has a unique ability of bringing reality to us. 
You see, we seek entertainment because we're wanting to get outside of that reality. We go to work, we come home, we want to get outside of reality, so we seek to be entertained. But death has an uncommon way of being real. It is the great equalizer whenever we see reality. Because it reminds us, this body is fading away each and every day. And so, we waste our time. We waste our time to avoid that reality and whatever else is out there and we become slothful with our time, especially when it, when it comes to our time with God in His Word and being fervent in spirit. And so Paul tells us in this passage we have this morning to be fervent in spirit. Don't waste your time. You say, well, well, what does that do? That helps us not only in the next life, in eternity, but it helps us to be able to do life well now. When Jesus said, I I come to give you life and make it enjoyable in every aspect, he wasn't just talking about eternity. He's talking about now. And I... I promise you, those who know how to do life well now are fervent in spirit. Those who don't know how to do life well are not fervent in spirit. There are those that are seeking to be entertained all the time. But a day will come when that can't happen. We have to create life's muscle memories and doing that requires us to be fervent in spirit difficult times are going to come I promise you I promise you they're going to hit you when you least expect them and they're going to hit you from every direction and they're going to be hard they're going to hurt the question is are you prepared for them If you're fervent in spirit, you're going to be prepared for them. If you're not, you won't. And you won't know what to do. And chaos is going to erupt in your life. If we're not fervent in spirit, when those moments arise, they will turn out horribly. For us and for those that are close to us. The slothfulness that we have creates within us a godless, self-seeking desire to edify ourselves. That's all it does. As I said, it's all about this guy. Remember verse 3? Search yourself for pride. Search yourself for your own self-edification. We want when we, what we want when we want it and the way we want it. And if we don't get it, we turn into that two-year-old. We revert back to little children. So this morning's passage. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Paul tells us not to be slothful in zeal. What does that mean? Well, slothfulness is synonymous with lazy, right? Don't be lazy in zeal. 
Baseball players don't make it to the big leagues by being lazy. They don't develop muscle memory by being lazy. Instead, they work hard at their craft and they develop that muscle memory so whenever the big stage comes, they know how to handle it. When you've got somebody that has worked hours and basically years of their lives, whenever they're on the mound in the middle of World Series Game 7, it's all good because what happens is you revert back to what that muscle memory is. It's the same way in life. If we have been fervent in spirit and spent the time with God and know what to expect, whenever that chaos comes about, we got this. Because we know we have developed through life as a Christian and being fervent in spirit, we have developed the ability to be able to handle those moments. God gives us that. Without that, it all falls apart. Baseball players don't develop muscle memory by asking soccer players how to pitch. We don't develop muscle memory, spiritual muscle memory, by asking the world, what should I do in this moment? It doesn't happen that way. Because if we do, we're going to fall apart. If we do, we're going to be a miserable failure when it comes to peace in our lives. They get through through their own hard work and experiences. God takes us from one degree of glory to the next. You've heard me say that many times. It's from Corinthians. How does he do that? How, does, how, how is that muscle memory or spiritual muscle memory created in our lives? And it's not created in a pleasant way, I want to warn you. He takes us from one degree of glory to the next. And ideally... According to his purpose, we are becoming more Christ-like with every degree of glory he takes us to. But how does he get us there? What happens to us to get us there? He does it by testing us. Who said trials? You're exactly right, Anna. James, brother of Christ, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. One degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next. You're not going to get there going through life and never facing anything adverse or any trials or any difficult times. Not going to get there. This is the unique way that God has of molding us and creating the spiritual muscle memory within us so when we are on the mound, so to speak, in life, in a very difficult moment, I got this. I understand what's going on. I see through the flesh of it and see the spirit behind it. And that's so incredibly important because when difficult times arise we so want to focus on the fleshly part of it we do that's the world's idea of it right that's not God's idea of it God's idea of it says look this this time here is going to fly by and it's going to be gone in a vapor and James even says that And all that's going to matter is what you did in this life to prepare you for the next. 
That's it. That's all that's going to matter at the end of this day. They're going to put you in a box and they're going to put you somewhere until Christ Jesus raises us up again. And so when that happens, nothing else matters. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I'm going to tweak this a little bit. Don't shrink from diligence. Don't refrain from hard work. Baseball players go to spring training. They refresh their muscle memory. They have to get ready for the season. Because sometimes we get out of practice. That's why it's so important to continue to work at it, right? Because the minute you slack, the minute you don't remain fervent in the spirit, and you go back and you're seeking entertainment and you're getting all this knowledge and wisdom from the world, then it's going to come back and it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks and you're going to forget. Oh yeah, I forgot what or how I'm supposed to act in any given situation. It's not like, okay God, I'm, I'm, done, I'm through this test I'm not going to worry about it anymore because I've learned that lesson and we're just going to move on. No, it doesn't work that way. When we get slothful and we seek advice and wisdom and everything else from the world, then we're going to act like the world. That's the default. That, that, that's how we act in isolation. And so it is a process that we can never let go of. We can never stop. We can never get slothful in our zealousness. Don't get lazy in our walk with God. When we do that, we turn to other sources and they will only lead us to bad places. Instead, he encourages us to be fervent in spirit. Fervent means zealous. Be passionate in the spirit of God. When you are passionate or zealous about something, you work hard and you're busy with it. So that's what he's telling us to do. Work hard in the Spirit. When you habitually work hard in the Spirit, you learn how to live life more abundantly. You learn how to get the most from this life and the next. And regardless of how difficult those moments may be, you have developed the spiritual muscle memory to be able to deal with them, no matter what they are. This phrase, be fervent in the spirit, is also found in the book of Acts. Acts 18, 25 through 26, and we covered this a few years ago. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. This is, anybody remember who this was? No? Apollos. You remember Paul later talked about Apollos, saying whether you've been baptized by me or by Apollos, didn't matter. So clearly Apollos had a bright future throughout the New Testament. But he was a Jew and he came to Ephesus to preach. 
and he was preaching the baptism of John, John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist was a precursor of Jesus, and he recognized Jesus, and he told them that here comes the Son of God who will basically save the sins of the world as he was baptizing people. John was a fire and brimstone type preacher. You're going to hell, you're a sinner. You need to repent. End of story. Very little grace in John the Baptist. And so that's all that Apollos knew. But he was fervent in spirit. He wanted to please God. He wanted to know Jesus, though he had never met him. Though he had never met Christ, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning concerning Jesus. And so being fervent in spirit gave him that ability. There were many followers of John the Baptist that didn't know anything about Jesus and didn't understand anything about Jesus. But because Apollos was fervent in spirit, because he worked hard at being a Christian, spent the time and dedicated his life to that, he was able to do that. You see, the the Spirit gave him the ability to know Jesus, to be able to see Jesus even though he had never met him. Now, he didn't know everything about Jesus. So as he was speaking or preaching boldly in the synagogue, Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God and more accurately. What do you think that conversation entailed? G-R-A-C-E. Almost certain. We don't know. But that's my guess. He was preaching John the Baptist that got to repent, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. All true things, but he was leaving out totally the grace of God. Priscilla and Aquila took him aside. Now all this comes about because he was fervent in spirit, folks. So what do you think the normal reaction of someone preaching boldly in the synagogue would be when someone pulls them aside and says, hey, you need to know this information? What do you think that reaction would have been? You ain't telling me nothing, right? Mind your own business. What makes you think you're as smart as I am? That wasn't Apollos' response, was it? Why wasn't it? Because he was fervent in spirit. Being fervent in spirit gives us so much. And I'm just touching the high spots this morning. It gave him the ability to listen openly and say, yeah, I don't really understand all that. I'm I'm not the last word on this. You guys know things about Jesus and the gospel that I don't, and I'm open to um, I'm open to understanding them in a different ro- in a different way in a different light. That was the beauty, some of the beauty of this passage. It gave him a desire to share the good news with others. When we're fervent in spirit, when we're truly fervent in spirit, we're going to share the gospel. It gives you that desire, just like it gave Apollos that desire. It helped him understand things about Jesus that average ordinary people would not understand. And finally, it made him humble enough to listen to and accept the advice of Priscilla and Aquila, that they were able to give him that advice, and he accepted it and received it well and continued to preach the gospel. 
So being fervent in the Spirit enables us to more fully understand God and, and share with Him with others, which leads us to the last part of verse 11. Serve the Lord. They kind of go hand in hand. When, when you're fervent in spirit, you're going to be serving the Lord. That's as opposed to serving yourself. And it's an important distinction, distinction to be made. When we're fervent in spirit, we can rejoice in hope. Only then can we rejoice in hope when we're fervent in spirit. Those fervent in spirit, there is no doom. There is no doom. Now, I want, as I say, we go from one degree of glory to the next. You don't, you don't jump from you know, being a newborn Christian to having joyful hope in everything all the time. You get there through fire. You get there through one experience after another and a development in your mind and in your spirit of that muscle memory, quote-unquote, that's how you get to that point, to rejoice in, the ho- in hope and, and serving the Lord. Those things follow. There is no doom and gloom in those that fully are fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. The world knows all about doom and gloom. After all, this world is all they've got, right? There is no hope in eternity. This is it. When we are fervent in spirit, we recall Romans 8, 38 and 39, right? We, we remember that. The Holy Spirit quickens that in our minds, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Those words are critical in those moments. Remembering those words are critical in those moments. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. That's easy to read. That's easy to say. That's hard to do. Why would he tell us to be patient in tribulation? Tribulation's painful, right? It hurts. It hurts. Why would he tell us to be patient in tribulation? Because tribulation is a time of what? Trial. Tribulation is a time of trial. The word here that, that the translators use for tribulation is thalipsis, which is also translated afflictions. And it's translated afflictions many other times in the Bible. Paul said to the Corinthians, For this light momentary affliction... Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's what he's doing. These moments of afflictions, these moments of tribulations, preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Recall Romans 8, 17. I don't think I've got it in here. No, Romans 8, 17. He talks about the trials, the difficult times, the pain and suffering that we go through aren't even, even wor- worthy of being compared to the glory that awaits us. 2 Corinthians 8.2 It's one of my favorite passages. For in a severe test of affliction, 
It's the same word. It could have been translated tribulation. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He's talking about the church at Macedonia here. And he went to the church at Macedonia and he was gathering money. If you all go back and remember that whole situation in Acts. He went all through that area and gathered money to send back to the church in Jerusalem who were Jewish. And so he started collecting money and he goes to this church in Macedonia and they're poor. They've been stricken by some sort of affliction. They have no money whatsoever to be able to spend on anything other than to provide for themselves what do they do they gave they gave very difficult time they went ahead and gave they recognized that this was a test of affliction they recognized that it was a difficult time and even though Paul suggested to them no don't you give because I know you guys are at a difficult time they weren't going to hear of it Because they knew that it was a time of trial, it was a difficult moment in life, and they saw it as that, and they were going to get through it, and they gave, and even made their poverty worse. That's a true act of faith that we see in that church at Macedonia here. So as we see, he tells us to be patient in our afflictions, or be patient in our times of tribulation does so because that is God's way of taking us from one degree of glory to the next to the next God's got the right timing we don't and as much as it's uncomfortable and as much as we want it to pass yesterday Paul urges us God knows whenever to withhold or withdraw that affliction we don't left to our own devices we want it off and we want it now Paul encourages us be patient in those times, in those difficult moments, because God is teaching us through them. Not going to make them any easier, folks. It's not going to say that there's going to be less tears shed during them or less painful moments. They hurt, they sting, they bite, but it's the way that God teaches us and sears that in our minds and creates that muscle memory, that spiritual muscle memory, so that the next time we're going to endure something worse, we can fall back on that. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be in constant prayer. So, we know that God is in control of the affliction. He's in control of the tribulation. All things, the sufferings and the difficult moments. And with knowing that builds us and gives us confidence when those moments arise. Be in constant prayer So I wrap up. That doesn't mean that you go around 24-7 all the time praying. It means that you're in a spirit of prayer, that he is your best friend, that he is with you, in you, beside you at all times and in all circumstances, and you converse with him about everything all day long. That's what that means. So it kind of all goes together, right? Whenever we are fervent in the spirit, we are serving the Lord, we are rejoicing in hope of knowing that this is not the end, that we have a greater eternity. We become patient in our tribulation and we are in constant prayer. 
it all revolves around us not being lazy Christians, but being fervent in the Spirit. God has called us all to do that. I want us to be a church full of individuals who are fervent in the Spirit. Now, fervency in one may look like something different than fervency in another. Recall we went through gifts just a few weeks ago. said the gifts are going to be different for each one, and we're going to exercise them differently depending on our walk, depending on our faith. But that's where we all join together to build each other up. And that's how when we share that, someone's at a different place than I am, and I'm in a different place than someone else. And whenever we can encourage and lift each other up, that's what bonds the body of Christ together. That's what makes a solid church. It's what makes a a healthy church full of Christians that support each other and teach each other and help each other out in those difficult moments. So I want us to understand what it means and how important it is for us to each strive to be fervent in spirit, even though it's going to look differently for each one of us, depending on where we're at in our walk. But let us not be slothful. Let us not be lazy. There's always room for improvement. But listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance on this. Because he will guide you. He will remind you that you're being slothful when it comes to your Christian walk and what you should be doing. That not only takes care of our eternity, but it takes care of our life here. And that's what God wants from us. When Christ said we should know him is to know peace, and that peace surpasses all understanding, it's not just a peace of our sins and eternity and all that being taken. It's a peace of our day-to-day living here on earth. No matter how bad things get, that God's got this, that he's going to take care of it. One way or the other. Really, everything in this life except for our serving him, is meaningless at the end of the day. I had that conversation with a dear brother this morning. Whenever it all gets boiled down, there's nothing in this life that we do that means anything other than serve Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we come to you asking for your help. Father, help us to be fervent in spirit. Help us to get to the next degree of glory that you have waiting for us. But as we ask that, Lord, we know that we're only going to get there through difficult moments. Help us to brace for those. Help us to see them. Lord, we know that you teach us through them, and sometimes it can be hard for us to recognize that this is a moment in time whenever you are teaching us, you are putting us through fire, you are molding us into a pure piece of gold that you have created for your glory help us to see it understand it to do our best to trust you through it all father help us not to spend our time wringing our hands but help us to trust you more each and every day of our life help us to find that pure peace that passes all understanding that only christ jesus gives us And in that, you are glorified. For it is in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. All rise.